Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, October 8th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk mostly about the Arkansas legislature, including the anti-vax uh, laws that it passed and didn't, a redistricting effort that splits Pulaski County in three, and what's coming in a special session to cut taxes. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Good afternoon. We, we talked a little bit about the legislature being back last week and, and how awful it was. Uh, it got worse this week. It, it was I, just I, terrible. I follow it fairly closely, but I I did not watch everything this week, and I had trouble making sense of of what what got passed through and what didn't, and there were lots of procedural fights. And lots of just kind of craziness. Every time I tuned in, there was some wacky thing being said. Today, I happened to tune in when uh, a legislator and a witness who was just a, a citizen were talking about a hypothetical of, over whether children should be allowed to eat ice cream. <laughs> for and that woman who was in the debate over whether may meant may or meant must over ice cream turned up there there was this i I don't want to use the word harpies but what we need is a word from greek mythology (laughs) to describe this lineup of of anti-vaxxers that turned out at every committee hearing to invoke the lord and 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 a god-given right to not be vaccinated and a god-given right to this and a god-given right to that None of which are in the Constitution, by the way, but they they've kind of decided that that's what the Constitution means. And and unfortunately, it's those people who I still believe are a minority of the people in Arkansas are, are calling the shots and are influencing the legislature and and or else the legislature are just as nuts as they are. Some of them clearly are. I'm, I'm, yes. No, some of them clearly are. I mean, Mary Bentley's weepy final closing argument for another anti-vax debate today about she just couldn't believe that they're dying, denying the use of ivermectin i mean it's just it, they're, they're just bonkers uh, it, it it really gives them too much credence to discuss at great length much of what was said but the the long and short of it was this was supposed to be a three-day session about congressional redistricting it turned into a eight-day, 10-day count in the weekend session, primarily about ways to protect people from having to get a COVID-19 vaccination. And they came up with lots of different bills to do it and lots of ways to punish people who try to get people vaccinated. But finally, with with, with some great degree of, of negotiation, and, and, and the business lobby had some influence on it, they came up with this bill that said we will provide a state law that exempts people from vaccine mandates. That's either required by the federal government or if a private business chose to do so itself by agreeing to either weekly testing or semi-annual testing on whether you still have antibodies. And it didn't specifically provide any money to anybody. It said, well, if some developed somewhere, maybe we could pay some money. And it kind of offered the possibility that you could make an unemployment claim if you lost a job for not getting vaccinated. It was it's a bad bill, but it's not a terrible, awful. Beyond belief bill, although the, the business lobby still opposed it. 
Well, that bill passed without an emergency clause. They, they beat the emergency clause in the Senate. And by bipartisan opposition, they needed two-thirds votes. So that really made the anti-vaxxers mad. And so they revived in the last couple of days of the session a truly bad, god-awful bill by Bob Ballinger that established as a civil right the ability not to answer a question about whether you've been vaccinated and allowing you to sue somebody who asked you that question and, and, and gain up to $300,000 in damages if somebody retaliated against you for not answering that question. And uh, really just, I mean, it, as somebody said, it guts the at-will employment doctrine of Arkansas, which is, in other words, we can fire you at will. That wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, but not for this particular reason. It uh, would put, it puts federal contractors who are already under contract terms that require them to be vaccinated, risk of either losing those contracts or in obeying state law or not obeying state law and getting sued by somebody. It's just a terrible bill. And finally, and it passed the Senate and it, and it was just kind of punitive. They said, well, okay, you pass this other bill out and we're going to, so we're going to pass something even worse, even with an out emergency clause. And it's described as kind of a hammer on the federal government to make them do right. Well, it passed the Senate, and then it, it came out of a House committee yesterday in just one of the most painful two and a half hours I've ever seen. And this is the House Public Health Committee run by Jack Ladyman, and, and they're just a bunch of nuts on this committee. They, they packed that committee particularly to pass anti-abortion and anti-gay legislation. But that makes them basically Trump heads, and so they were, they were ready to do an anti-vax thing. These guys don't believe vaccinations really work. They think they're dangerous and that people get killed by them. And, I don't know what all. So finally, that bill hit the House floor. And after just just turning down the business lobby and all the executive agencies under Governor Hutchins' control and committee yesterday, they finally mustered the business lobby might. And the entire debate today, and it was a long procedural wrangle about whether the speaker ruled the bill was germane. There was an objection to that. There was a debate about that. It went to the rules committee. The rules committee says it was not germane to the reasons this session was called. The house overrode that after debate and then brought the bill up for voting. Probably Dick to the bill failed by, Oh, I don't know, eight or nine votes, something like that. And, uh, or maybe five votes short. I don't know, but it, but it, it failed kind of surprising. As Les Eves, the chairman of the House Rules Committee, which thought the bill wasn't germane, said that the state and, and businesses all over Arkansas dodged a bullet. This bull, this bill was a nightmare. And not only that, it would have effectively killed the first bill that they passed. And Josh Bryant, who passed the first bill, was out there advocating for this bill that essentially killed the first bill he passed after tremendous negotiation. I, I've gone on too long on this. It was just painful to watch. And the low lights, some of the, you know, the testimony from people dressed up in American flags and, and invoking stories about, you know, ice cream for kids and one, one call for the call for prayer for the Lord, the committee would do the right thing. And I don't know. It, unfortunately, I, I, you know, you sit and watch all this and the legislative votes on it. And it was like Bob Ballinger said, you know, these are real people. The people who oppose this are just the people from Little Rock. <laughs> that was one thing that was said. And then he's, and then there was the other thing that said, this is the people of Arkansas speaking as if 
a vote of the Arkansas legislature is without question representative of the will of the people. Poll after poll shows that a majority support wearing face masks, that a slim majority believe mask mandates by businesses are okay, that a majority wants abortion to remain legal in the United States, that a a majority believes gun safety measures are on balance a good thing. And, but, you know, in, in the world of the legislative mind, they don't see outside their room or outside their, their, their air dome, whatever they inhabit. And the, the thought that other people might view things differently is just not something that they consider. I mean, you know, you heard people like Mary Bentley and Kim Hammer talking about hundreds of thousands of people are going to be put out of work. Well, that's just palpable bullshit. <laughs> I mean, the, the, if, if the businesses that have been imposing vaccines Tyson's hit about a 92% uh, success rate. I I don't mean to diminish that it harms somebody who loses a job, but I mean, the numbers are small. It's not hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it's just not. And they, they talk as if hundreds of people are dying and they're just not. I mean, they just say things. They say that people are vaccinated, transmit the disease more easily. They just say, it's just, it's bullshit on top of bullshit. Somebody, somebody said, I thought it was great. It's an epidemiologist on Twitter that I follow who said that the debate was full of misinformation, disinformation, and bullshit. And I thought that, that, that's, that's kind of the coda for this session. So the, the bill that did pass without the emergency clause, that means it won't go into effect uh, for 90 days. For 90 days after, and after the end of the session, which won't adjourn until next week. So... What's that mean? November to just sometime in January. But are there so, like legal challenges? Well, uh, there can't be a challenge to the law until it's in effect, first right. of all. Uh, and probably, uh, probably somebody will 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 sue. But if they do so, I don't know what their ground is. It's an at will state still, and and. And if somebody's enforcing a federal mandate, federal supremacy obtains. And if a hospital says you got to be vaccinated to work for me and says we're not going to risk losing Medicaid and Medicare money, I mean, you know. Now, the bill that passed doesn't put the hospitals quite at risk. As I say, they, they, they leave you the testing alternative. And so the only person that can sue is, is somebody who says, I not only won't get the shot, I won't take the test. Well, but the, the feds have said for their... And their, the federal thing is allows a testing exemption. I, I think where we'll see hospitals. a... Not for hospitals. It's only for the businesses with 100 yeah, employees. Yeah. More. So All this... Right. Would, the, the, the healthcare this, facilities. Although, would, but I think they are allowed to have a, a religious or medical exemption. And right. what I guess will happen is that somebody is going to claim a, a religious exemption. And it's happening all over the country. People say, well, just against my religion to get a shot. Well, I mean, that's that's baloney. But but I mean, some of them have this narrow thread on some loose association with some of these vaccines with uh, abortion cells or something. But but, you know, you don't just get to say, you know, it's not my religion to make my bed every morning. <laughs> yeah, and, I guess what I'm going to there's a good chance if you were a nurse who does not want to get the vaccine, 
that this bill ultimately will do nothing to help you. I, I think uh, that is almost certainly true. Yes. yes. So it was, it was basically a colossal waste of time. It was a, a way for legislators and to, money. to get and per diem money. and to, to spew all this nonsense. Uh, no, and, that's get- kind of, and that's kind of the interesting question, because a lot of it was political posturing, which clearly the majority thinks was valuable to them politically. And, and, and they probably know their districts better than I do. As I say, there are a lot of people that don't have a problem with getting vaccinated. I mean, is this a winner to be just a, you know, a foe of good health practices? Maybe. All right, let's move on to what the the uh, the legislative meeting was supposed to be about, and that was redistricting. There's lots of back and forth on this, and ultimately, what prevailed was a map that. There's a number of things, but primarily it splits Pulaski County three ways. And the the areas that are carved out of the second district are primarily black and Latino. Yeah, you know, I mean, and they did this just because they could do it. It was just purely a punitive kit on Pulaski County to diminish the minority voting percentage and to make it even easier than it already is to elect a Republican. Uh, the, you know, they didn't have to do it. The sponsor of the bill that eventually passed introduced in her first bill, a bill that didn't split a single county in the state. And it was a perfectly logical, sensible plan that kept the second district, which includes Pulaski about like it is, kept the first as a Delta district, kept the fourth as mostly a Timberland district, and then consolidated uh, Northwest Arkansas up the, up the interstate corridor from Sebastian to Benton County made perfect sense. But there were a couple of little things that kind of move the move the debate around. One was some rural counties in the Delta that didn't want to be moved from the first to the fourth. And then there was this huge amount of lobbying to, to keep the 10 or 12,000 people in Madison County in the third district with Washington County, which is next door. But the overriding concern was, is to screw Pulaski County. I mean, to, and there were a lot of different proposals. Some screwed them worse than others. And the, the final screwing, I guess, took about 40,000 people out. Uh, North Little Rock, Scott, and then the southeastern part of the county and a big chunk of southwest Little Rock below Interstate 30. Those areas are about 65, they're 70 percent African-American and Latino. And that's why it was done. And and I think there's been a lot of criticism of it. I think a lawsuit will be filed. I don't think it is necessarily a certainty that the lawsuit will be prevailed. There's no doubt that there's a racial impact of this decision and it's negative on African-Americans in Pulaski County. But given the way the courts are these days and, and the way the, the precedent is running on uh, gerrymandering, uh, who knows how it'll turn out. I mean, in the short run, the redistricting plan, I don't, doesn't change the landscape on who gets elected anywhere at all. It's, uh, it's more or less status quo. All right. Well, finally, uh, the, <laughs> as much as we wish they were finished uh, until, until next year for uh, fiscal session, the legislature's likely to come back in the next 
couple of weeks to cut taxes. Yeah, and th- there was some talk about some among some legislators wanting they could immediately go next week into the special session after the adjournment of this session, and I think that was discouraged. I don't think that'll happen next week. It's up to the governor to make the call of the session and and what the terms of it will be. But there's no doubt that there's broad consensus on the part of the governor and the Republican majority to cut the income tax. So really, the only question is how much. Uh, it's seems to be a given that they're going to reduce the top bracket from 5.9 to 5.5 percent. There's also been some study of reducing the number of major tax tables into from three to two to have a lower income and a higher income bracket that that, uh, will shave off some of the little weird cliffs that occur at at levels of, of income on taxation. But the bottom line is, is it's uh, it'll be a windfall for the rich. Uh, uh, the Arkansas Advocates for Children and Families uh, got a report from a from an outside group today that said simply cutting the top bracket from five point five five point nine to five point five will be an enormous windfall for the top five percent, and even the one where they kind of adjust the major general bracket somewhat. It'll reduce the benefits, the top 5% as a percentage somewhat, but most of the dollars are still going to go to the wealthy and uh, people on the low end get nothing or next to nothing. Pennies is, is all they'll get. It'll be, and in fact, even people in the middle income, uh, you know, 40, 50,000 a year. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, actually the median income in Arkansas is in the high forties. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be worth. I mean, maybe a couple of couple of Happy Meals and McDonald's or something. That's about all. And just a preview of uh, what may be coming down the road, where we we just slash income taxes altogether. That's that's what our no, and that's that's the desire of the candidates, Republican candidates for governor and, and other offices, is to end it all together. Uh, these tax cuts are going to cost at least a quarter of a billion dollars in revenue a year. Uh, they're you know, there, there's the eternal hope of dynamic scoring that uh, it'll encourage economic development and and produce more money than we lose by the tax cuts. That hasn't happened anywhere in history in the United States, but hope springs eternal. Uh, we have been piling up a pretty big surplus here of late, but a great deal of that owes to the enormous amount of money that's been pumped into the state, either in direct disaster assistance or in stimulus payments, extended unemployment and those sorts of things. And so we don't, we don't really have a real clear, I mean, some analysts kind of came in and tried to give a, an assessment of how much of the money is due to the federal money and, and how much is due to something else. But anyway, that's where, where we are is unless we are a shining uh, outlier Arkansas, after it cuts income taxes, will do what other states have had to do, and that's uh, either reduce services or not increase them to the level they should be increased because we don't have the money to do it. Okay, well, let's let's end it there and move on to endorsements. What do you have this week? Oh, gosh, what do I have this week? I've been... Well, why... I had a 
had something and I've just, it just totally slipped my mind. Okay. Well, I'll go and, and you can not pay attention and think about it. Uh, so I interviewed Nate Coulter, the head of the Central Arkansas Library System, a few weeks ago and uh, knew that he's a big reader and, and asked him what he was reading. And he mentioned um, that he was re- listening to an audiobook and, and talked about how big audiobooks have become for the library. And, and that's one of the reasons that they could uh, use uh, a millage increase. And I have several friends who've lately been talking a lot about audiobooks. So I decided this week that I would try it and uh, the library it's incredibly easy to to check them out um, they they is i think most libraries uh, work with overdrive overdrive have, has an app called libby that you can do all your listening and borrowing uh, with and you attach your library card to it and the first book that i listened to and i, I think i have like 20 minutes left was uh, the mastermind by evan ratliff who's a a journalist and a podcast host who I have liked for years is a really fascinating book about this international criminal named Paul LaRue who got a start as a computer programmer. Uh, he had something to do with perhaps a lot to do with TrueCrypt, which is a, a famous encryption program that Edward Snowden and others have used. Uh, but he made his money with a, a, a pharma- pharmaceutical um, business that was worldwide, but it, it allowed people to get prescriptions uh, on the internet for non-scheduled drugs, but it operated very much in the gray area, and some drugs that I think later ended up on, on the, the uh, FDA's schedule, you know, meaning that they were c- considered addictive were very popular on it, but he made millions on that and then used that money to become an international crime lord, buying methamphetamine from North Korea and dealing all through Africa and ordering assassinations. He was he's a South, South African who was based forever in, Brazil, in the Philippines and then later in Brazil. But he had this just massive network all over the world and all sorts of schemes and you know there was drugs and prostitution and he at one point was impregnating women in brazil hoping that the the paternity of a brazilian citizen would keep him from being extradited this is, i guess the, the way that brazil works there, there's some element there but it, it just really is a nutty story um, but I've enjoyed the audiobook style and this one, you know, I'm, I'm not versed in this, so I, I don't know how common it is, but this one is read by Ratliff, the author. And, um, I don't know, I could see that making a difference, uh, you know, knowing all the right spots to emphasize and, you know, he doesn't really do voices exactly, but he's, he's a pretty good reader. I'm going to try Clint Smith, the Atlantic writer's book, uh, the word is past. I think that that's what it's called. And he also reads it. So that's next up. I'll let you know how it is. Yeah. My wife's been burning through murder mysteries on the, the library's, uh, download app. But anyway, so I'm somewhat familiar with, with her on it. I, I which podcast reminded me as ever, my, 
my uh, inability to remember titles of anything uh, does me in, but you might look around for the podcast on the, the coverage of the, the daily coverage of the trial of the woman who founded Theranos, the uh, blood testing company. It's that story just still is fascinating to me how she just took people for billions of dollars and including Henry Kissinger on down, but it's a podcast, you know, it's not getting daily coverage in the newspaper. So it's a place to, to get some day to day on what's going on in that case, which is going to go on a long time, which fascinates me. And, uh, Oh, and this is, this I owe to Facebook and, and, and I, I mean, I hesitate to be a, a Facebooker and this may be old. I don't know how old it is, but there's a YouTube video. Well, it's, well, no, actually it was a 60 minutes segment that was done about the, the concert that Lady Gaga had with Tony Bennett. Do you know anything about this? No. Well, Tony Bennett's of course the famous singer and he's 97 years old and he has Alzheimer's and dementia. And, and most days he doesn't know who's with him or around him. He kind of knows his wife, I think. And, but it's like a Pavlovian thing when somebody sits down at a piano and he starts singing and like he's his, the best 97 year old singer you ever heard. Well, they had a concert in Madison Square Garden with Lady Gaga, who until that time didn't acknowledge he knew who she was. And they call him out on stage and the audience goes crazy. They're applauding him. And it's like, He's the old Tony Bennett. He says, I'm so glad to be here with Lady Gaga. He sings 12 songs, left my heart and say, it make you cry. The next day, Anderson Cooper interviews him and he doesn't remember it. I mean, he doesn't even know what happened. Doesn't know what he's talking about. It, wow. it's, it's, it's unbelievable. In any event. So you just have these things embedded in you, you know, and I mean, I've seen the bad side of this people in nursing homes that, that were some of the nicest people I've ever known in my life that say some just awful things to their caretakers, you know, that just these things that are hidden in them, people with Alzheimer's. And so we can all hope we'll be like Tony Bennett, that when we're, we're, we're grocked out in a nursing home, that when we hear a piano, we start singing, I left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> that, that, that would be better than cursing the legislature. <laughs> it would, it would, so I'm afraid that's what I'm going to be doing, <laughs> doing unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's leave it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay safe out there and we'll be back. We'll see you.